Welcome to Flourish. I'm Diane Planadan, and you're in the right place if you're ready to create an inspired life. And we do so by working on our own personal development. So can we strong role models for those we love and mentor, and strong for our own personal well-being. Well, we've reached the end of the final chapter here in The Molecule of More, best-selling book by Dr. Daniel Lieberman and Michael Long. And this book has been eye-opening, thought-provoking, and most of all, very helpful in explaining us human beings and our human nature and what makes us tick. And that molecule is dopamine. So let's continue on the final chapters all about harmony and how you can find that balance, that equilibrium to live a more inspired life. All right. Oh, I'm going to give you three tips uh, from this as well. It's going to be the the top three takeaways that will help you do this for real. Okay, here we go. Our dopamine circuits are what make us human. They are what give our species its special power. We think, we plan, we imagine. We elevate our thoughts to ponder abstract concepts such as truth, justice, and beauty. Within those circuits, we transcend all barriers of space and time. We thrive in the most hostile environments, even in outer space, thanks to our ability to dominate the world around us. But these same circuits can also lead us down a darker path, a path of addiction, betrayal, and misery. If we aim to be great, we will probably have to accept the fact that misery will be part of it. It's the goad of dissatisfaction that keeps us at our work while others are enjoying the company of family and friends. But those of us who prefer a life of happy fulfillment have a different task to accomplish, the task of finding harmony. We have to overcome the seduction of endless dopaminergic stimulation and turn our backs on our never-ending hunger for more. If we are able to intermingle dopamine with here and now, we can achieve that harmony. All dopamine all the time is not the path to the best possible future. It's sensory reality and abstract thought working together that unlocks the brain's full potential. Let me say that again. <laughs> it's sensory reality and abstract thought working together that unlocks the brain's full potential, operating at its peak performance. It becomes capable of producing not only happiness and satisfaction, not only wealth and knowledge, but a rich mixture of sensory experience and wise understanding, a mixture that can set us down the path toward a more balanced way of being human. Yes, presence of mind, calmness, composure, Voice. That's what gets you through the hard times. That's when it's important. If you're having a crisis, if there's an emergency, regardless of what it might be, there can be all kinds of different emergencies. You can keep your cool head on. You'll get through any crisis. But we tend to, as the dopamine suggested, <laughs> Turn to uh, tension relieving instead of goal achieving. We tend to aim at distraction 
versus aim at what really would make a difference in our lives. This is magic. This is magical to know. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. If I can keep my wits about me and remind myself that I have to balance between the desire and the control and the here and the now, I might actually do what I say I'm going to do and accomplish what I want to accomplish and succeed. Succeed. I mean, it's such a great feeling. So how can the ordinary person find balance once and for all? We have to find balance in different ways. Dopamine alone will never satisfy us. It can't provide satisfaction any more than a hammer can turn a screw, but it's constantly promising us that satisfaction is right around the corner. One more donut, one more promotion, one more conquest. How do we get off this treadmill? Mm, Yes, merry-go-round. It's not easy, but there are ways. And here are the top three takeaways. Number one, and this is gold. Pay attention to reality. Reality is the richest source of the unexpected. Fantasies that we conjure up in our minds, that's our imagination. We go over the same material again and again. Once in a while, we'll be struck by an original idea, but it's rare. And it usually happens when we're paying attention to something else, not when we're trying to strong arm our creativity into action. So if you're present, present in the moment, paying attention to reality, to what you're actually doing in the moment, maximizes the flow of information into your brain. It maximizes dopamine's ability to make new plans because to build models that will accurately predict a future, dopamine needs data and data flows from the senses. That's dopamine and the here and now working together. When something interesting activates the dopamine system, we snap to attention. If we're able to activate our here and now system by shifting our focus outward, the increased level of attention makes the sensory experience more intense. Imagine walking down a street in a foreign country. Everything's more exciting. Everything, looking at ordinary buildings, everything's exciting because it's novel. You're in a novel situation. Sensory inputs are more vivid. That's a large part of the joy of travel. It works in the opposite direction too. Experiencing here and now sensory stimulation, especially with in a complex environment, sometimes called an enriched environment, makes the dopaminergic cognitive facilities in our brains work better. The most complex environment, those that are most enriched are usually the natural ones. Next time you're walking down the same old street, doing the same old thing, maybe you're going to work or you're getting a coffee or you're walking the dog, you don't need to go to the other side of the world to be entertained. You need to be here, present, in reality. Stop and smell those flowers. Or, (laughs) I was watering my plants the other day. I have a nice little herb garden. And just out of the corner of my eye, I thought, what on earth is that? And there was a teeny, weeny, tiny cricket that was camouflaged within the herb plant that it was climbing upon. And I, I just, 
I'm like, you know what? This is fascinating. This is interesting. This is something to pay attention to because it's different. And it was exciting. And I took a little video of it. <laughs> so maybe I'll add it to my shorts. I don't know. But this is interesting because that's why we do love to travel. That's why we do love to experience new things. Because it just gets us really super hyper aware and excited. But you can do that if you be present in your own reality. Okay. Number two, and this is an interesting segue. By spending time in the present, we take in sensory information about the reality we live in, allowing the dopamine system to use that information to develop reward maximizing plans. The impressions that we absorb have the potential to inspire a flurry of new ideas, enhancing our ability to find new solutions to the problems we face. And that's a wonderful thing. Number two is creativity. Creating something new, something that has never been conceived of before is by definition surprising because it is always new. Creation is the most durable of all dopaminergic pleasures. Creativity is an excellent way to mix together dopamine and here and now. And creativity, by that matter, is really the hands-on experience. Acts of creation that promote balance rather than dopaminergic dominance. Woodworking, knitting, painting, decorating, and sewing are old-fashioned activities that don't get much attention in our modern world which is exactly the point. These activities don't require smartphone apps or high-speed internet. They require brains and hands working together to create something new. Our imagination conceives the project. We develop a plan to carry it out. Then our hands make it real. And they talk about a study, um, this chapter, that asked people how happy they were in their work. And the happiest people were not the people that worked in finance or technology or made bazillions of dollars. The happiest people worked with their hands. They were creating. They were creating something new all the time. You have literally in your hands the capability of finding a more balanced, happier life. Hobbies really need to make a comeback. Woodworking in school, they reference in the book, you know, different things like that. Um, having a creative outlet, taking the intangible and making it tangible. I have to show you this. <laughs> I have this on my desk and I made this in woodwork. It's, well, it's the letter D small d, uh, for Diane, and I keep that as a reminder. And it makes me proud of what I created when I was in grade seven. <laughs> That's when they always had woodworking and cooking classes as an option in high school. It was kind of fun that way. But getting back to the book, they say, fixing things also boosts self-efficacy and it increases one's sense of control here and now delivering dopaminergic gratification. So get back down to the creativity roots. Cooking 
gardening, and playing sports are among many activities that combine intellectual stimulation with physical activity in a way that will satisfy us and make us whole. These activities can be pursued for a lifetime without becoming stale. You might get a few weeks of dopaminergic thrills by buying an expensive Swiss timepiece, but after that, it's just a watch. Getting promoted to district manager makes going to work exciting at first, but eventually, it becomes the same old grind. Creativity is different because it stirs together here and now with dopamine. It's like mixing a little bit of carbon with iron to make steel. The result is stronger and more durable. That's what happens to dopaminergic pleasure when you add physical here and now. The power is in your hands. But most people don't bother to engage in acts of creation like drawing pictures, making music, or building model airplanes. There's no practical reason to do these things. They're hard, at least in the beginning, and they probably won't earn us money or prestige or guarantee us a better future, but they might make us happy. So the next time you're thinking, cooking's too hard, I don't know how to. Fill in the blank that it's hard at first and it's a little messy in the middle as you're pondering through. But when you get the end result and you have worked that wood <laughs> and made it super smooth, it's a piece of creation that you'll have for a lifetime. And then you can share that knowledge with others and help them grow and flourish. That is, that is natural satisfaction. And that's where the dopamine, the creative side, oof, bursts into the scene. That's so exciting. Okay, number three. And this is my favorite. I saved the best for last. And it is mastery. Mastery is the ability to extract the maximum reward from a particular set of circumstances. One might achieve mastery over Pac-Man, racquetball, French cooking, or debugging a complicated computer program. From dopamine's point of view, mastery is a good thing, something to be desired and pursued, but it's different from other good things. It's not simply finding food or a new partner or beating the competition. It's bigger and broader than that. It's reward, extraction, success, dopamine, achieving dopamine's goal. When mastery is achieved, dopamine has reached the pinnacle of its aspiration, squeezing every last drop out of an available resource. This is what it's all about. This is the moment to savor. Now, in the present, mastery is at a point at which dopamine bows to here and now. Having done all it can do, dopamine pauses and allows here and now to have its way with our happiness circuits, even if it's only for a short time. Dopamine doesn't fight the feeling of contentment. It approves the best basking is basking in a job well done. That is when you have reached the peak experience. You have reached the top of the higher call needs that we all strive for. 
but it takes work. And I'm going to say, if you've never tried to learn to ride a bike, that is the best example I can think of. You keep trying and you keep trying. You keep trying until you find that balance. Because a bicycle does not work unless you move into action. It falls over if you don't take action. And that's where mastery is. You keep moving forward. You fall down, you get up. You fall down, you get up. You fall down, you get up. Oh, and you keep moving forward. And that's a little wobbly there in the middle, right? Might fall down again. Keep moving forward. You have a goal. You have a target. You have an aim. I love this. This is fantastic. Okay. Mastery also creates a feeling of what psychologists called an internal locus of control. This phase refers to the tendency to view one's choices and experiences as being under one's own control, as opposed to being determined by fate, luck, or other people. <laughs> it's a good feeling. Most people don't like being at the mercy of forces beyond their control. Pilots say that then when they're flying in bad weather, it's less stressful to be at the controls than to sit in the cabin. Just like driving in the snow. I, I'd rather be in the driver's seat, right? <laughs> in control. People with a strong sense of internal locus of control are more likely to achieve academic success and get high-paying jobs. Those, by contrast, who have an external locus of control, take a more passive view of life. Some are happy, relaxed, and easygoing, but at the same time, they often blame others for their failures and may not put forth their best effort on a consistent basis. Doctors often become frustrated with this kind of person. They tend to ignore medical advice and they aren't easily persuaded to accept responsibility for their health by taking the medication every day and making healthy lifestyle choices. The development of an internal locus of control, as well as contentment, if only for a little while, are among the many benefits of achieving mastery over an activity. But it takes an enormous amount of time and effort, as well as constant mental stretching. Mastering a skill requires a student to constantly move outside her comfort zone. As soon as a piano player gets good at an easy song, she has to start on a harder one. It's a tough slog, but it can also be a great joy. Those who don't give up generally feel it was worth it. It can result in a feeling that they have found their passion, something so engrossing. They become completely immersed in it yes and it takes work it does and it's absolutely worth it the slog is worth it not every day is going to be perfect <laughs> but think of those three top tips reality is the richest source of the unexpected reality and second creativity and it's all in your hands if you start creating something with your hands whether you're drawing, coloring, <laughs> or making something in woodworking shop. It makes for a happier life. And then mastery. 
almost take a long time. And there's been a lot written about this, the 10,000 hour rule. Mastery makes life a little bit better and just keep going and moving forward. There's a great quote at the beginning of this chapter I want to read to you from St. Augustine. And it says, do you wish to be great? Then begin by being. Do you desire to construct a vast and lofty fabric? The higher your structure is to be, the deeper must be its foundation. And you build on that foundation through mastery, through creativity, and being present in reality. So build your self-worth, build your confidence, build others up. Lift your spirits, lift each other up, and live in harmony, and you will live a more inspired life. Well, if you like the show, share it with somebody you know, and hey, give us some comments, thumbs up, maybe even hit that subscribe button. That would make me happy. (laughs) I'll see you next week.